It's a new paradigm, and we're leading it. For the women ready to unbind themselves from the shackles of business that feels like gray cubicles and stuffy suits, for business that feels like creativity and magic, for the women ready to trade in rigid boxes for delicious feminine flow. It's time for feminine leadership and business done differently. Businesses built from equal parts intuition and strategy, creativity and logic, structure and flow. We're taking up space with uniquely differentiated brands. We're messaging with equal parts head and heart. And for the women going to the top, we're scaling with structural excellence to allow our feminine flow to dance, equal parts pleasure and precision roaring into the marketplace. I'm Katherine Morrison, and I'm helping women from ground zero to multiple millions do just that. From spiritual awakenings to parsing through nuanced funnel data, from creative urges and intuitive knowings to the most razor sharp business strategy on the market, I've got you covered. I spent my career scaling eight and nine figure companies, had a massive spontaneous Kundalini awakening, and now I'm on a mission to help women build businesses that make the world a better place. We're doing it our way, and we're doing it in style. This is Ascension Through Entrepreneurship. Are you ready? Let's go. Soul fam, it's going to be another one of those impromptu, listen, I have a page of notes, so we'll see where this, where this goes today. And it's so interesting. I think last week I was like, you know, this will be short and sweet, but actually when I care about something, I will speak for a long time and I am <laughs> going to be very passionate about it. And there's just, I feel like there's like a dozen different ideas coming through me right now. And we're playing with this format where I get on and I just riff with you all and I don't plan the podcast as much. So I will see the way that my brain works is it's able to sort of see the how like eight different things from eight different places all thread together and how they all work together. And I think that when I plan, I can very clearly thread the line and hopefully that my page of notes... for this episode have gotten us clear enough on how I want to communicate what I want to communicate today. And basically like this was not a planned episode. This is one of those things where just based on the flow of everything that's been happening and coming towards me, um, media I've been exposed to, things that have been happening in my business, it's like synchronicity, right? When the universe is speaking to you and it really like clicked and landed in me and was like, oh my God, this is the message that wants to come through right now. And I, I haven't, like, I don't have the title for the podcast yet, but it's essentially like what do you stand for? And what is worth digging into the depths of yourself for? Because one of the things, I mean, I feel like there's so many people and they're like, oh, I need a, I need a productivity planner or like I need a like messaging blah, 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 or I need this thing. And of course that... <laughs> That matters. It's good to have frameworks. It's good to have knowledge of, of frameworks of how things can, can go. But the most important thing you could ever possibly have is passion and like and commitment and conviction. Conviction is really the word that's like coming through right now. And 
it's I just became aware. I've known about Jim Rohn for a long time. I feel like he has quite a few quotables, right? It's like the you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, I believe, is a Jim Rohn quote. But uh, for the first time, I heard his quote, I think it was just like yesterday. Um, and this was as this sort of podcast was emer- emerging, like making itself known to me. But uh, his quote is, when the why gets stronger, the how gets easier. And of course, there's so many things that I can teach you all. Like last week, we covered recurring revenue and ascension models and all of those different things, right? But at its root, everything that I'm doing is always cleansing the energetics of what maybe sort of power over business has done in the past and really going with heart-led, soul-centered, like let's dig up from the depths of us what we are here on earth to do and flood it through incredible business strategies, incredible operational excellence, incredible structural flow, all from passion, conviction, intuition, creativity, like the energy that floods through it. And it's interesting because there's certain things that it's like, I make strategic decisions around like, this is my offer suite and this is how it stacks. But there's some things that are just in the core of my being that are always interesting to see when you all reflect them back. And one of the things in the recent survey, when we surveyed buyers and what was like, what were the things that really compelled them to come in and work with me and choose me as their mentor and choose me as their coach, literally the number two thing was my direct and passionate communication style. And while for those of you coming into words or wands, we're going to work on like unleashing, like this is the first thing we really do in that room. It's like, what is your manifesto? So I think it is actually literally the first thing that we work on is like really establishing what is your why, why does this matter to you? And then building out your messaging and the messaging angles and all the best practices around that thing, right? But if you don't first have the why, it doesn't fucking matter, all the strategies and all the hows. And when I look at like I, um, man, I'll get emotional right now, but for the first time today, I led a company all hands for my company where all of the people that worked for me came on and I spoke literally for over an hour about like, these are our values. This is the vision statement for the company. This is where the company is going. These are the core values that this company operates by. These are the principles under which this company works, right? And, and really laying that out. And I love like really just thinking through last week, it's like, here's the strategic offer suite, right? Brand alchemy accelerated words or wands and to pleasure and precision. Um, and one of the other things that I've thought about with the ascension of, of what happens when you flow through those programs is when you do the branding work, we get super clear in your values and what matters to you, right? And then when you come into words or wands, we build the entire messaging plan around all of those things so that you're able to communicate it and resonate with people that also resonate with those things. So that they're just not buying. You're not just like some random person that has like some like throwaway thing that they're going to do once and then they're never going to think about again. You guys aren't attracted to me because you want to be some like throwaway service provider. You believe you're here to do work that matters. And we want to pull that out of you, right? And I think now that I've gone into a scaled business, I have seen that ascension from brand to messaging to scaling because when you brand and you get clear on your values and then you get your messaging plan, you get super clear on how does that attract in my best people. 
and I say this, I say this, I say this, a client drops in, then you have so many clients working with you that you need to actually start to hire on employees to help you. And then today I'm now communicating my values. Oh my God, I'll cry. And what matters in the world I stand for to an entire team of people that are here to represent what I fucking care about in this world and to bring it forward where creativity is respected, where we're super strategic, but it matters, where we don't hustle, but we flow, where we have operational excellence so our feminine can dance. All of these things that I look at, what sucked when I was coming up in the business world? What wasn't great and what do I want to build instead? And going from branding to messaging and now into scaling, I'm able to build culture because what happens when you scale is that is what your company culture is. Your brand scales into your company culture as you go into multiple six figures, million, multiple millions, right? And then as you grow and you grow to the top of your industry, you begin to have incredible impact, not just on your industry, but then the culture at large. And it all starts with that brand, right? And so as I was thinking about this today, it's so interesting, like all the things that sort of came at me at once is the other song that just came into my field a couple days ago was the song Nonstop from the Hamilton soundtrack. And of course, I love Hamilton. When it first came out, like my husband and I and a couple other couples from Austin, I think they, did, they weren't playing it in Austin and then it went on tour and it was off of just Broadway and they had um, a tour in San Francisco and it was like some lottery for tickets or something. And all of my friends planned to like sit at all of their devices and they all entered the lottery to win. One of my friends won and then six of us flew out to San Francisco to actually see Hamilton. It was incredible. And I probably for like a year, I was like playing that album all the time. And then, you know, it sort of just floated away. And then a couple days ago, the song nonstop from it came back in. It just played and I was like, oh, wait, there's something in this song for me. And as I've been thinking through the importance of being in integrity with yourself, in honoring your values, in living life in accordance to your values, right? And not prostituting yourself and selling yourself to a job that you don't care about just because you're scared. Like, that's really fucking dumb, right? So it's like getting the strength, getting the courage to be like, oh, like I can do this thing. I can do this thing. Or keeping your business small and being afraid to market because you're like afraid. Like we don't have time for that. There's a world to be built. There's a world to be built and we don't have time for like the water down. We don't have time for the like, I'm scared bullshit. There's things that are inside of you that want to come out and we need to get them out. They matter. And so as I was listening to this song, nonstop from the Hamilton soundtrack. It is basically like there's this conversation that threads throughout it between Hamilton and Aaron Burr. And if you haven't seen the Hamilton soundtrack, if I know a lot of you that listen are not from America, I'm going to just put you on notice, okay? (laughs) Alexander Hamilton is someone that was like a very influential historical figure in the United States of America in actually forming the the United States government, right? So it was like after everything with the war and we gained our independence from England, um, he was extremely instrumental, not just in, in actually even before the war, right? So like his, his role in our ability to even have the country that I now live in is 
very much because of what Alexander Hamilton was willing to stand for. And then it's it's this juxtaposition in the musical between Hamilton and then Aaron Burr. And Aaron Burr is essentially a coward. Aaron Burr is essentially someone who is an excellent lawyer. He knows how to argue the cases and do all the things, but he's not willing to take a stand for something. He's not, he's always sort of waiting on, like, let me see which horse is going to win. And so as I was like, I've listened to this song so many times over the past couple of days, I've just been like letting it flood my consciousness. And in that song, something that comes up is Alexander Hamilton. And this is, I looked this up. This is actually historically accurate. Alexander Hamilton asked Aaron Burr to co-author the Federalist Papers with him. And there were a couple other men that were, that were going to be authoring these papers. And I will let you know what those are in a moment. But basically, Burr in the song, when I looked it up, it's just like that, that phrase was not documented as being said, but his reasoning was basically like in the song, Burr basically says, what if you're backing the wrong horse? What if we've gotten through this war, but what if you really take a stand for the formation of the U.S. government and, and we're wrong and like something happens and England comes back and, you know, like, I don't want to take a risk. Like Burr was always looking to just like, how do I just stay safe? How do I sort of like, man, like manipulate and man, my, maneuver my way through this thing strategically? And he had no fucking core to him. He had nothing in the depths of his being that was driving him forward to do anything of importance. And honestly, I think that drove him to madness. And he ended up actually like killing Alexander Hamilton in a duel later on in his life. Right. But I think that haunted him. Like he just could never get up the courage to take a fucking stand for what he believed in. And it drove him insane because he looked at someone like Alexander Hamilton that because he was willing to do what he was willing to do, formed a country. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and that matters, right? And so going back to what the Federalist Papers were that Aaron Burr refused to co-author because he was too scared to take a stand. He was too scared to, to have his own opinions. The Federalist Papers were basically after the war when America had like, you know, yay, we won and we get to be independent. There was this huge question of what does the government look like? What are we going to do? And Alexander Hamilton had the, had the audacity to have an opinion, right? He had the audacity to like have very strong opinions about like, we get to build whatever world we want and the decisions we make now make a difference for like so many future generations. I'm sorry. I did not know I was going to cry delivering this, <laughs> but it just makes me think we're now what, like hundreds of years later living in a world that men who are willing to take a stand and think about what might matter. We now still live in the world that they created because they were willing to be brave and they were willing to stand up. And like, I now think about this. I think it was now, gosh, my great, my great grandparents fled Europe um, to move to America. So that was long after the revolution, but they looked at because of what people like Alexander Hamilton were willing to take a stand for and put in motion, America became this country, this beacon on a hill 
And that was something that my great-grandparents fled. They left actually on both sides, right? From Italy and then from, at the time it was um, Czechoslovakia. It's no longer, that's not even a country anymore, right? Um, And they fled to America to go to that shining beacon on a hill because of something that Alexander Hamilton was willing to take a stand for like many years earlier. And so the Federalist Papers that Alexander Hamilton was asking Aaron Burr, like, will you co-author these? It was like, we need to take a stand for something. We are at this point, like the old world has crumbled and the new world is asking to be created. And what do we intentionally want to create? What do we want to stand for? And Aaron Burr didn't want to stand for anything. He was too scared to, to do anything, right? And so Alexander Hamilton got together with two other individuals, James Madison and John Jay. And they decided we're going to write a series of essays, which if you think about what these essays were, they were essentially marketing. They were essentially messaging work. And they thought about this is the world we want to build. This is the government we see as possible. And we need to write these Federalist Papers as essays with the intention to essentially sell our ideas to the American public. That's marketing. That's messaging work, right? And so these three men got together and they made a plan that over the period of six months, they said, okay, we will write 25 essays over the period of six months and we will divide them up between the three of us. What then happened and transpired over those six months is John Jay got sick after writing five essays. James Madison ended up writing 29 essays. And so James Madison Already, they had planned before between the three of them to write 25 essays, but James Madison wrote 29 himself. But by the end of the six months, the three of them had written 85 essays in total when their intention had been 25. And when they looked at who wrote the other 51, that was Alexander Hamilton. He also stood up... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's like a well-documented thing in history that he actually stood up and he spoke for six hours in 1787. He gave an impassioned speech for six entire hours around everything he believed should exist in the American government. Everything he believed, like as they're forming this country, everything he believed it should be. And I think a lot of people actually got quite annoyed. <laughs> but his tenacity. And so going back in the beginning to that quote that I mentioned from Jim Rohn, when the why gets stronger, the how gets easier. And when I look at things like Alexander Hamilton, who was legitimately a historical figure in history that was absolutely instrumental to forming an entire country, and I mean, if you want to, if we really want to harp romantic, we could talk, he came from nothing. He was poor. He shouldn't have been anything. And he's to this day, one of the greatest historical figures in the United States of America and its formation as a country, because he was willing to message. He was willing to speak. He was willing to stand for his values. And he didn't just sort of like squeak or squawk or like pander to whatever, like, oh, okay, you believe this, I'll do that. He had his own beliefs about what mattered. And he would fucking talk for six hours in 1787 to an entire delegation. I was like, he just took over the room for like an entire day, right? Talking about what mattered to him, why it was important. 
And when it was time to write those Federalist Papers and they had to set a goal of 25, and if we were going to say it's 25 between the three of them, that's basically like, what, eight and a third each? And he didn't write eight and a third. He wrote 51 essays to message and stand for his beliefs around what the United States of America should be. And because he was willing to not fucking care about what the English people thought or about what his like other people in the delegation, like when he stood for six hours, there were literally some of his like, compatriots were like, oh my God, shut up, right? But it didn't, like it mattered too much to him. He couldn't shut up. He had to keep talking. And so thinking through like those of you coming into words or wands, like this first work of the manifesto, like there's something inside of you where if you ever think I don't have something to say or I don't know what to write about, you just haven't reached the depths of yourself yet. You just haven't figured out what deeply matters to you. And I think the question becomes, what is worth digging into the depths of yourself for? What do you want to stand for in this world? And as I was thinking through that and like what, what I would say about that, because I think there's so many things now it's like so clear to me, right? I've even gotten a clarity in the last six months around like what my company stands for. And it was so just incredible having the conversation with the women that I employ today around like, yes, what we stand for, for our clients is feminine leadership. Everything is that at that intersection, intuition and valuing that. But then we plan like motherfuckers and like literally talking to them about what that means for us in the back end, where my operation operations manager is bringing so much structural excellence to the company, but I'm letting them know this is the universe is going to speak through all of us in each of your departments. And so when you get an intuitive download, we have to hold the project plan lightly. If something comes in, we want to honor it. And I get to actually build a company with that. I get to say that in a company meeting. What? What is happening? But when I first started, I didn't even know what mattered so much to me. Now, after I've done so much brand alchemy work, I'm like, oh, my creativity was repressed. My spirituality was repressed. And like, I'm just fully expressed. So it's so much clearer what I stand for. But in the very beginning, if you're earlier on in your journey, it might be clearer to you what you stand against. And so if it doesn't quite resonate, like, I don't know what my purpose is on this earth. I don't know what I stand for. I don't know what digging into the depths of myself for is. Start with what do you stand against? Because that was honestly what got me going on this whole path was I looked at, I stood against working in a job in a nine to five. I didn't want to be told what to do. I didn't want to like only get two weeks of vacation. I knew what I didn't want. I knew I didn't want that. And then, but if I look at that, if I look at the wrapper of like, okay, all those things that are wrapped up into, I don't want this. Those then lend themselves to, okay, so then what do I want? And so if I could look at that, if I knew like, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to have to work at a job that where someone tells me I want to decide I have great ideas. Right. So I'm like, okay, like I want to do my own thing. I want freedom. So you can start from what do I not want? And then what is the lesson? What is the wisdom? What is the underlying value of what you want? And here's the other really fascinating thing that I think ties any solopreneur or entrepreneur. I don't care at what level. I do think for if you're really going to the top in entrepreneurship, it's stronger in those of us like going to the top. But entrepreneurs value freedom. That's a core value for entrepreneurs. Whether you are a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, you want some sort of time, time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom. 
freedom is a very core value. And this was so interesting because as I was planning for this podcast, it made me realize, listen, I'm going <laughs> to, when I talk about like synchronicities and like things all coming to me and landing at once, I believe this transmission is hosted by the founding fathers who are like seeing now like, oh, there's a new world coming to be rebirthed. We're going to like bring this message through Catherine. So some of the, (laughs) I think like last week's was like for sure my rising Capricorn like teaching. And I think today is like my Pisces just channeling in what spirit wants me to deliver to you. So as I was thinking through, okay, so like when I first got started, I realized that I was someone that valued freedom and that when I was working in my nine to five, I wasn't living in integrity with my value of freedom. And then the next founding father came into my ear because then of course the next thing that dropped in is I was like, oh my God, wait, what's that Benjamin Franklin quote? And for those of you that don't know, I am a huge Benjamin Franklin fan (laughs) Like literally my son, my middle son, his middle name is Franklin in honor of Benjamin Franklin. I was born and raised in the Philadelphia area and I've just got a sweet spot in Philadelphia. We've got a sweet spot for Benjamin Franklin. He lived there a lot of his life and he actually still, he did a lot in history that is like, you can still see it alive in Philadelphia. And so then I'm like, oh wait, like this isn't just an Alexander Hamilton thing coming through me. There's this idea of like what the founding fathers represented. And something that Benjamin Franklin said, one of his most famous quotes, I would say, is those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither. And I was like, oh man, he talked, he was talking about it in like back in the day about like the people who were like, you know, too scared. We don't want to do, we don't want to like get the English mad. We should just like pander to the king. We should do whatever. Like they're, they're being basically cowards, right? They're like, oh, how do we stay safe? We're worried. And Benjamin Franklin's taking a stand like, okay, if you want to give up your liberty, your freedom for a little temporary safety, you don't deserve either. And oh, it like hit me. Cause I'm like, that was, that was me when I was in my nine to five. And I was like, oh, you know, I should wait until the kids get bigger and I should wait until this thing. And I was like this little coward that was just like, I was, I hadn't, I hadn't rooted into the depths of myself basically. Right. I was, I was this conditioned cog in the machine. So I wasn't a coward, but I was, that was where my level of consciousness was, was who Catherine had been taught to be was like, go to school, get a degree, listen, don't think for yourself, be a cog in the machine, be safe. And that was my taught level of consciousness I was operating at. And then when I felt this like incongruence within myself, I was like, but I don't want that. Like I want freedom. I want to be able to take off lots of weeks in the year. I want to be able to work from wherever I want. I want to be able to like do and talk about, like I want complete freedom for myself. And what that required for me was to give up that, like that clinging little, like, I just keep wanting to say coward. Like I was taught to be a coward, right? And I had to learn that coward isn't me. I'm so much stronger and there's something that is worth it inside of me to stand for. And so I think it was like, it's interesting because my journey I still, it wasn't enough when I was an employee. I knew that I wanted to leave for like years. Um, Basically, ever since I was an employee, I sort of knew I wanted to do my own thing. But it wasn't until my daughter was born that I really started recognizing how out of integrity I was, how I wasn't standing for something, how I wasn't, I was living in that lower level of consciousness, that learned cowardice, that learned sort of like clock in, clock out, nine to fiver. And I wasn't 
living in alignment with my soul. I wasn't living in alignment with my higher self and who I was meant to be on this earth. And But then when I had my daughter, of course, we want to say to our children, oh, honey, like you can be anything you want. You can live your dreams. And then when I had a child, it was like, oh, wait, like I'm completely out of integrity because everything that I would tell my daughter is like, you know, you can be anything, you can do anything. I can't tell her that because I don't believe it. And how am I going to raise a child that I want to have freedom, the freedom that I so deeply yearn for? And I was like, fuck, I have to break the generational cycle. I have to break it here. The line breaks with me. And I create freedom for like, literally like, oh, and this is probably why I was crying, right? When I'm talking about like what Alexander Hamilton said in motion and the men then who were strong enough to, it was a scary time, right? To speak your mind and to say what you believed, like way scarier than me on my podcast right now, right? Like death, right? They were like facing death every day and they were like, nope, we know what we want for the world we're creating and we're going to stand for it repeatedly. And when I look at once my daughter was born, I was like, oh wait, like there's something I want to stand for. And I have to come into alignment with it myself. I have to break the cycle so that my children will not live in bondage. And me recognizing that so that I could live and so that now like, oh my God, like me being willing to do this work and go all in on myself and stop worrying about like, ooh, but what are my parents going to think? And what are like my old college roommate and my, and literally my ex-boyfriend from college who still watches my Instagram stories every day. I'm not sure why he's there, right? But just be like, I don't fucking care. I'm reaching into the depths of myself for something that matters so much more. And it's for my family and it's for what I see as possible in the world. And it's for everything that I thought. And I looked at the world and I was like, oh, wait, I don't like these things. And it's because I'm here to build a new one. The same way the founding fathers were here and they were looking at, wait, we don't really like this monarchy thing. What do we want to build instead? What do we want to stand for? And so for you, if, it, if it's not so clear what you deeply, deeply stand for, what you're like, you know what, this is the flag and I would put it in the ground and this really matters to me, start with what you don't like. The same way I did where I was like, ooh, I don't want to clock in and clock out. It's because I value freedom and I'm being a coward and valuing safety, right? Like really think about that. Like when you think about an entrepreneur, the energetic of an entrepreneur that creates freedom, that is a very different frequency than who I want to stay safe. Freedom and safety exist on very different energetics. That doesn't mean, listen, I financial planned like a motherfucker. I had a plan. Like I had a financial safety net. I'm not saying like go do wild things. Um, Actually, I I did a podcast a really long time ago about extreme sports people. And a quote that one of the guys said was like, we take calculated risks, but I took huge risks and I made them in a very calculated way. I set myself up so that I was able to take risks. I recently had someone in the accelerator asking about how she has, like, she's like, oh, well, I'm so comfortable in my job. And so I'm not like doing this thing. And I was like, okay, well, One, I think, I believe I might've asked her, like, do you have a big enough why? Like, do you even care? Because I think some people, it's like, you might not even care. You don't have a vision for the world you want for yourself. You don't have a vision for how you think you can help people. And I think if that's the case, maybe you don't, maybe you shouldn't be an entrepreneur, right? 
But then the other thing is like, if it's just like the steady drip of the paycheck, then you either figure out how to make money in your business, or if you're too scared to show up in your business, one thing you can start doing is financial planning and getting a nice runway for yourself, which was what I did. I wanted to leave for years my job before I went all in and started my own thing, but I was too scared. But I was like, what can I do in the meantime? And I was up to an 85% savings rate by the time I left my job. So I created, I created what I needed to be able to take massive moves and take incredible risks and create liberty for myself and create freedom for myself. And so when I look at these things and what I'm like really wanting to anchor in is what matters to you. Like this, this idea, if we're going to keep reciting the Jim Rohn, I think that's the largest sort of takeaway from this is when the why gets stronger, the how gets easier. If you're ever scared or if you're ever like, Ooh, what are people going to think about me? You're, you're being like conceited. You're being self-absorbed, right? You need to do the brand alchemy work and just get comfortable with yourself so that you can actually be of service to the world. And so looking at these things, it's really thinking about like, if you are ever feeling fearful, it's, you've got the light on yourself versus what wants to come through me for the collective. And anyone that's listening to this ascension through entrepreneurship, that's what is at the root of our work. What wants to come through me for the collective and how do I shape my consciousness? How do I shape my mind and body? How do I put in practice all the incredible business strategies Catherine's teaching? But none of that matters at all if you don't have your why, if you don't have your manifesto, if you don't understand whether it is, maybe it is, maybe your reason is I want to be able to hold my children's hand on the walk from the bus stop. Like I remember there were times where I was like, oh, I should just wait until the kids are older um, to really go all in in my business because, you know, they're little. And me not listening to that like learned cowardice within myself and me rooting into my soul and my higher self and feeling my fucking power. I'm now the person every single day that meets my children at the bus stop and holds their little hands as we walk home. Because I stopped listening to what I was taught to believe about what was possible for me. I stopped listening to what society told me I should be thinking. The same way the founding fathers stopped listening to what England told them they should be doing and what England told them they should be thinking. And they said, wait a second. No, we believe there's something different. We believe there's a different world and we're going to stand for that one and we're going to build it. And when I look at what I stand for, going to the very beginning of this podcast, there's a new paradigm and we are leading it. What am I leading you all to? To this. There's a new world that wants to be built. There's something that wants to come through you. It's fucking begging to come out. Writer's block? Like what? We don't have time for writer's block. I don't know if people are going to like this. We don't have time for that. Do you all see? Like, do you see like the old systems of the world crumbling right now? And it's just so interesting because it was like, oh, there's a reason why Hamilton came up two days ago and then Ben Franklin's coming in my ear, right? Like this is a pivotal time in history where there is a new paradigm emerging and we are leading it. There's something in your business. There's a reason why you're listening to this podcast right now. There's a reason why you're tuning into me week after week. And there's something that's begging to be activated from within you. And what I want I want, I want to touch and what I want you to touch is I want you to not just touch it. And maybe that was the true for me. In the beginning, it probably was just flickers of it, flickers of my power, flickers of touching what that thing was. 
But over time, I just, I pulled more and more of it out of myself. And now I just live from it. And it's literally like the future is pulling me forward. And so as we're rounding this out, really just allowing you to think through, I don't think it's a great idea to think I just want to make a business so that I can like make easy money. That's a really dumb reason. In fact, I actually think it's a really dumb reason to say, I just want to have a business to make lots of money. When I think about the reason why I want to make lots of money and, and, and what's happening there, it's not just like my fucking ego that's like, oh, I want to have lots of money so that I can like blah, blah, blah. I literally have a plan for a retreat center and the houses I want to create and the intentional community where I want to have and the gardens I want to have and the artists that I want to be able to live on property there. And so when I'm looking at why there's these resources that just want to come to me, it's because I'm the conduit through which that world wants to be birthed. And you are the conduit through which a world wants to be birthed. Are you allowing the transmission of that into the world? Are you speaking? Is your throat chakra fucking open? Are you like Alexander Hamilton where your goal is eight and a third essays and you're going to write 51 because you're that fucking on fire for your mission? When your why gets stronger, the how gets easier. When you have a sales campaign and it doesn't land where you wanted it to land, you get over it a lot faster when you have that deeper, longer-term vision, the why that's just pulling you. You're the conduit for a world that wants to be birthed through you. And so bringing this to a close, allowing you to stay in reflection for what is that, whether it's something that you really want to see and stand for in the world, whether it's through words or wands and your messaging work and really allowing like this beautiful transmission of everything you believe that matters and why you have your business the way you have it and resonating with such a power, the way that Hamilton was able to speak his, his speeches for six hours and his 51 essays and it built a country that still stands to this day. The way that I started two and a half years ago with this podcast that's now Spotify has told us it's in the top 5% of most shared podcasts globally. Not in entrepreneurship, in all podcasts, top 5%. Like what? That's the transmission of an open channel. And so whether you're rooting into why does that matter for me for the words or wands work, for the messaging work, or if you're coming into scale and pleasure and precision because you're like, oh my God, listening to what Catherine has where she has employees and they have like, we live by these culture. I'm taking my brand and I'm scaling it and I'm standing. I'm actually, the world I want to see, I'm amplifying it through having employees that live by those values, that transmit those values out into the world, that attract in clients based on those values. That's how we're building a better world. Like what? And we get to get paid for this? We get to get paid for creating our own realities. That's fucking bananas. And so when I listened to that song, that Hamilton song, over and over and over again on the past couple of days, I find myself just crying, like coming to tears the same way I did at multiple points in this podcast episode, thinking about the, the depths that those men were able to tap into to stand for independence and to stand for something bigger in the world and the impact I now get to live in hundreds of years later where my children get to live safely right? Like the, the beautiful, like what those people did hundreds of years ago and what that has created for me. And then I look at myself and my business 
and what it creates in terms of possibility for my children. They're going to have a completely different life because I have released myself from like the, all of the trappings of what I thought I was supposed to do. And I've just reached into the depths of me. My children will know a completely different life and they will have completely freer lives. They will have liberty because of that. And I look at the clients who are coming in to work with me and the liberty that they create. People leave jobs. They send their kids to college. They're like buying houses, right? Like there's just so many things that are happening right now where I'm just like seeing my clients and what they're able to create because they were willing to dig into the depths of themselves and fucking stand for something in the world. And that that standing for something and messaging through that brings clients faster. And when the clients come faster, you then scale. And then what do you do with those values? But you transmit those values throughout your company and you run your company and your company culture is an expression of the brand that you created when you first started. This work matters. And so at the end of that Hamilton song, there's two, two phrases that they sing at the end that just like really just land so deeply in my soul. And it's these two, ready? History has its eyes on you. And then it goes into Hamilton singing again and again. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. He knew he had one life and he, it was ended early because Aaron Burr fucking shot him, right? But he knew what he stood for and he had a why that was deep enough to drive a howl that had him speaking and communicating and messaging in a way that birthed an entire country. And whatever that is for you, what is your shot? And dear God, do not throw away your shot. I love you all so much, and I'll see you next week. Alexander joins forces with James Madison and John Jay to write a series of essays defending the new United States Constitution entitled The Federalist Papers. The plan was to write a total of 25 essays, the work divided evenly among the three men. In the end, they wrote 85 essays in the span of six months. John Jay got sick after writing five. James Madison wrote 29. Hamilton wrote the other 51. How do you write like you're running out of time? Write day and night like you're running out of time. Every day you fight like you're running out of time. Like you're running out of time. Are you running out of time? How do you write like tomorrow won't arrive? How do you write like you needed to survive? How do you write every second you're alive? Every second you're alive? Every second you're alive? They're asking me to lead. I'm doing the best I can to get the people that I need. I'm asking you to be my right hand, Treasury man. Or state. I know it's a lot to treasury ask or to leave behind the world, you know. Sir, do you want me to run the Treasury or State Department? Treasury. Let's go. Alexander. I have to leave. Alexander. Look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. Helpless. They are asking me to leave. Look around.